Welcome to The Ziggler Show. I'm your inspired host, Kevin Miller. Today, Tom Ziggler and I bring you Dr. Paul White. Here's a story. Uh, have you ever heard of the Five Love Languages book by Gary Chapman? It's been a best-selling book for over two decades, and, and I mean a true bestseller. As of today, uh, this right recording right now, it's sitting at number 11 in Amazon overall. Uh, I would tell you it's a must-read for anyone and everyone, period. The point is we tend to love, serve, and care for people in the ways that we feel loved and cared for, but we don't all feel loved and cared for in the same ways. Well, so Gary Chapman kept getting testimonies from people saying that they were applying the principles of the five love languages book at work, just not using the word love, of course. So Gary partnered with an expert in the workplace to address the need and demand. He and Dr. Paul White wrote the five languages of appreciation in the workplace, which has also become a bestseller. It's a significant message to all of us who work with other people, uh, which is most everybody. So we're going to dig in and even give you a chance to take a personal inventory called motivating by appreciation to see how you rank for free. Dr. White just gave it to us and to all Ziegler listeners. So I'll tell you about that in just a moment. what you are and where you are because of what's gone into your mind. You can change what you are. You can change where you are by changing what goes into your mind. You cannot become what you need to be by remaining what you are. If you can't take a huge step to begin with, take as big a step as you can, but take it now. That's the key. Take it now. You can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Today is a brand new day, and it's yours. I'm going to give you Dr. Paul White's bio, then we'll start with the interview right after I thank two sponsors of today's episode, Shutterstock. So their support comes to us because every business, and we have a lot of business people here at Ziggler, they need high quality images to attract and keep customers. Whether you're making brochures or ads or putting the final touches on your next tweet, the visuals you choose are proven to make a big difference. So get started today with a 20% discount at Shutterstock.com slash Ziggler. Also, Men's Warehouse. It's time for their 10th annual National Suit Drive. Donate your gently used professional attire, including suits, dress shirts, dress shoes, ties, and more to any men's warehouse store from July 1st to the 31st and give a man the chance to transform his life. The goal is to reach 275,000 donations, so be sure to spread the word by using the hashtag give a suit. So visit www.menswear, that's W-E-A-R house.com slash national dash suit dash drive for more information. Again, that's www.menswearwearhouse.com slash national dash suit dash drive. Got to remember those dashes as a thank you for donating. You'll receive a coupon for 50% off regular priced retail items and get $10 off your $50 purchase. When you text NSD to this number six, six, nine, six, oh, 
Okay, folks, so Dr. Paul White is a psychologist, author, speaker, and consultant who makes work relationships work. He's written articles for and been interviewed by Bloomberg's Business Week, CNN, Fortune.com, Entrepreneur.com, Fast Company, FoxBusiness.com, Huffington Post Live, U.S. News and World Report, and Yahoo Finance. As a speaker and trainer, Dr. White is taught around the world, including North America, Europe, South America, Asia, and the Caribbean. His expertise has been requested by Microsoft, Miller, Coors, NASA, the Million Dollar Roundtable, uh, Direct TV, the Salvation Army, Princeton University, a long list of impressive places. So Dr. White is the co-author of three books, including The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace, written with Dr. Gary Chapman, uh, again, author of the number one New York Times bestseller, The Love, the Five Love Languages, which has sold over 200,000 copies. So based on their extensive research and expertise, Dr. White and Dr. Chapman have Developed a unique way for organizations to motivate employees that leads to increased job satisfaction, higher employee performance, and enhanced levels of trust. They're motivating by appreciation inventory and appreciation at work training resources have been used by numerous corporations, colleges, and universities, medical facilities, schools, nonprofit organizations, and government agencies, and is available in multiple language. So Dr. White's most recent book is The Vibrant Workplace, Overcoming the Obstacles to Building a Culture of Appreciation. It was just released in April 2017. Now, again, we're talking about the five languages of appreciation in the workplace that Dr. White co-wrote with Dr. Gary Chapman. Uh, so there you go. But I do back to uh, mentioning the motivating by appreciation inventory in the show, you'll hear Dr. White give to give it to the Ziggler listeners uh, for free. So I'll tell you right off the bat, though, all you do is email them for a free code and they'll give you the link uh, to go there. Uh, email them at admin, A-D-M-I-N, admin at appreciation at work.com. All right. Admin at appreciation at work.com. Email it, uh, email them uh, for the free code for the Ziggler listeners to take that inventory. All right, folks, if you are ready, here is Tom Ziegler and myself and a very enlightening conversation with Dr. Paul White. Well, Dr. Paul White, I have been a fan and a user of the five love languages in my marriage and parenting for many years, but I was admittedly now, I know after reading the book, blind to doing it this way in my work, at least in an intentional way. So I knew the Ziegler audience would want to hear your message. Thanks so much for being with us today. Sure. My pleasure. I'm glad to be able to join you. Well, I want to start off with the foundational premise of appreciation in the workplace. And I assume many people have heard some verbiage about appreciation in the workplace being as important or more than money and rewards and recognition, but bring us up to speed on the literalness of uh, the importance of appreciation. Well, it's interesting that uh, appreciation in the workplace has been around in some form for a while. So Appreciation in the workplace has actually become a, a, a hot topic and one that's creating a lot of energy among managers and leaders because people think they show appreciation to one another. But what we actually find when we talk to employees and uh, mid and lower level supervisors is they aren't getting the message. In fact, uh, 65% of uh, people in a survey not too long ago said that they hadn't heard anything positive from anyone in their workplace for over a year. Wow. And when I first saw that, I'm like, 
how can that be? Because 85% of all the companies in the U.S. have some form of employee recognition, and you hear a lot about it. But the key word, I think, is that people haven't received it. And so what's happening and has happened is that people try to communicate appreciation, uh, but they're not doing it in a way that's really getting to the to the recipient. And that's really the sort of the, the heart of the five languages. What we found, just like in personal relationships with the five love languages, is that different people feel appreciated in different ways. And if you don't communicate in the way that's meaningful to the recipient, then you miss the mark. And right. most of us sort of start out by trying to communicate appreciation uh, to our colleagues um, in the way that's meaningful to us. But uh, we have a fair amount of research that shows that, you know, there are people spread all over the continuum. Well, you mentioned something there that I was actually going to going to ask it is, uh, you know, when you ask people to reflect on how appreciated they feel by their supervisor, their coworkers, I was wondering on a big scale, is there some national average on how well people do feel appreciated? Is that, does that stat you just gave cover it? Or do you say, yeah, you know, when we, when we look around, we find that in general, 40% of people feel appreciated in the workplace, 60. Is there any kind mm -hmm. of a... Pulse. Well, one just, uh, a study just came out uh, last month that showed that 55% mm. of employees feel like they really aren't that appreciated at work. Oh. So we have that. We're also, and this is a key one for leaders to understand, is that 79% of the people who leave work voluntarily, they quit their job, cite a lack of appreciation as one of the major reasons that they leave. Most business leaders and managers think that people leave for more money. And that's actually not the case uh, because leaving a job is a very emotionally taxing kind of process. And so it takes an emotional driver. So just more money doesn't get it for most people. So when they don't feel valued, when they don't feel like anybody cares about what they do, then, then they start looking. So let me, let me ask this question. 25 years ago, my first kind of manager, guru, leader, mentor he knew all the studies and he said, personal recognition is the number one motivator of people. And this guy was a drucker and a dimming and all, all of that background. And so I internalized that and I thought, oh, some people like cash, some people like TV, some people like trips. <laughs> and what you're really saying is no, no, no. <laughs> It has a lot more to do with how you communicate in the love language that that person has. Right. So, and in fact, I mean, Tom, you're right. I mean, he, he's right on that. People uh, cite that they are more motivated when they hear praise or appreciation from their supervisor. But a lot of managers and let's say management teams interpret that as some kind of reward or gift. And we actually, we have an online assessment that goes with uh, our book and we've had over a hundred thousand people take it. And the data from that shows that uh, tangible gifts, people receiving stuff, and it's not compensation. It is, you know, a small gift that shows that they have gotten to know you. They know your favorite kind of coffee or what kind of pizza you like, or maybe if you like, you know, major league baseball, they get you a magazine that only 6% of the, the workforce site tangible gifts is their primary way that they want to receive appreciation. And yet most uh, employee recognition programs are really heavy on both sort of big group praise and uh, rewards, and they're missing 
about 50% of the workforce that really don't want either of those. Wow. Well, so it makes me, you know, you talk about this specifically in the book, pretty, pretty close to the front, I think about ROI return on investment. So when you look at a company, whether it's a small company of, of five employees or a big company of 500 or 5,000 or whatever it may be, and you're looking at the ROI on this. Yeah. When I look at, when you talk about that, that 79% of people uh, leave lacking, uh, citing the lack of appreciation. And yet as an employer, they're probably thinking about the pay, the culture, the benefits and me being doing work in the, the health and wellness arena, you know, benefits, healthcare is, I mean, you're talking gargantuans, um, uh, gargantuan amount of money. So as opposed to all those other things, you're talking about an ROI. I want you to talk to us about that on appreciation that I would assume the actual monetary investment is pennies on the dollar. Well, the investment is small, but the impact is huge because we know when people don't feel valued, a lot of bad things happen. Tardiness increases, both coming to work, coming back from break, coming back from lunch. Um, People call in sick more often. Um, One survey showed that 33% of the uh, workforce admitted to calling in sick at least once last year where they weren't really sick. Hmm. That we know turnover goes up and that's the the biggest non-productive cost to any kind of organization. Um, so because you've got, you know, all kinds of losses there of intellectual knowledge of customer relationships and then downtime. You also productivity goes down, especially any kind of problem solver, creative uh, problem solving goes down because that takes emotional effort. And if you feel like nobody cares, you're not going to put forth that effort. So you're going to pass over and go, you know, hand it off. Uh, people don't follow policies and procedures as much that there's more internal conflict over stupid little things. When people don't feel valued, they're more easily irritated and sort of offended. And it can be over, you know, that she gets to, why she get to park at that parking spot? And I got to go to the next parking lot over or uniforms, whatever. And it eats up time and energy. And one of the key things that we find is that when staff don't feel valued, managers don't like their work as much. And then you sort of have this negative spiral. Well, you use the word valued a bunch just in talking there. And I know in the book, you start off by making a specific distinction between appreciation and recognition. Can you clarify that for us? Well, it's a, it's a huge issue in, in my new book that just came out called The Vibrant Workplace. That's sort of a theme through the whole thing. But, you know, employee recognition is a good thing when it's designed right and used right for the right purpose. And the purpose of recognition is to pay attention to people doing the right thing and doing it well and doing a good uh, quality job um, and then giving them some kind of reward, whether it's attention or a gift or whatever. And so it's all about performance and that's fine. And when we're looking at trying to, you know, either improve or stabilize performance, recognition is great. The problem is in the marketplace, when, since we've been on board here for the last six years or so and, and helped appreciation come to the forefront, people are now trying to make recognition and use that to help people feel appreciated. And it doesn't work because appreciation is about the person. Mm-hmm. It's about who they are. And yes, it can be about performance, but, um, you know, we're more than just, uh, you know, producers. You know, we are people and people mm-hmm. want to be recognized as a person. In fact, a, a study that came out of uh, the Harvard Business Review of uh, a, uh, sort of a group study of Google of what makes good groups, it wasn't the, the top technical people. It was 
groups that got to know each other and supported one another at a personal level that they really functioned well at work. And so mm. appreciation is about value. Now it can be about work and performance, but you know, there's some things that we value about our colleagues that even though they're not the top performer, uh, I like to work with cheerful people more than grumpy people. Okay. Call <laughs> so, so, you know, uh, and there's some value in that. Or if you have somebody in a group meeting that is able to sort of calm things down and just say, well, let's sort of stop and listen and think about this versus somebody that winds stuff up and gets it all wrapped yeah. up that may not show up on their performance evaluation, but that's something of value. Um, and one of the challenges is that, you know, when we focus on recognition, it's usually on the top performers and usually it's the same ones. It's about the top 10, 15% and they get the, the awards and the rewards. Well, if we, don't worry about low performance. We can talk about them in a minute if we want. But you've got this big middle group of about 50 to 60% of your group that are solid people. They're good people. They're trying. But they're not stars, yeah. right? And I sometimes use the analogy, you know, in a sports team, you can have a star quarterback and running back and receiver. But if you don't have any that can block, you know, and just get the day-to-day -day grunt work done, the stars aren't going to function very well. And so it's that middle group that often leaders and managers don't realize that they're at risk for losing and have turnover there. And then that really makes it hard for your organization to run well. Um, and so focusing on who they are, getting to know them as a person can really make a big difference. So let me share with you um, a, a situation that happened last week. Really, really great situation. And you can break it down uh, from your perspective on whether it's appreciation or recognition kind of the uh, the downstream positives that could come out of it, because I thought it was very positive. First off, my daughter graduated from college on Saturday a week ago. All right. Congratulations. She got a job. There we go. And, uh, <laughs> she celebrated a 14-hour summer vacation because awesome. she got home Saturday night and oh, slept wow. all day Sunday, and I put her on a plane Monday. And our business partner, who we do all of our small business coaching with, Howard Partridge, he hired her. Cool. And so we're doing a three-day conference with Howard, and my daughter is there on the support team doing AV, doing different stuff. And on Wednesday, she started like the rest of the team there, which is great. Dad gets to watch his daughter work, but she doesn't report to me or anybody in our company, so that's awesome. Yeah. And she starts at 6.15 in the morning, and she goes until 7 in the uh, evening. And Howard pulls the team together. So there's four ladies who've done a, a worked hard all day. And he says, boy, you guys, you've really put in the time today. Here's my car keys. Here's my credit card. You guys, you worked hard. You deserve it. Go eat wherever you want. I appreciate what you've done. Cool. And this is all my daughter talks about on the way home from that. Cause we flew back home. It was an out of town conference. We flew back home and she, and, and so in my head, I'm thinking, you know, what happened is there was this transfer of trust and respect mm -hmm. because he appreciated them. He was going to feed them dinner anyway. Right. Cause they're out somewhere, but just that little act of, man, you guys went the extra mile. Well, their response was they didn't go to a fancy steakhouse. They went and had a reasonable meal at a good place 
and had an extremely enjoyable time because they had the freedom to go and do it. And they talked about all day long about all the things that happened that day. Right. Well, that's a great example. Actually, there's three languages of appreciation that I hear right away tied in. One is verbal words of affirmation that in front of the team, you know, he complimented and praised them. Um, Now, what's interesting about each of the languages is that in our inventory, we can identify the primary language that person likes and prefers and even their secondary one. But what's really important is the specific actions, because some people don't even want to be praised in front of a small group, um, that they're just too shy about that. Clearly, there's about our data shows about 40% of the population don't want to go up in front of a large group to receive uh, recognition. And uh, or they like to have, you know, a, a private note. So you have words. Secondly, you have, you know, tangible gifts. I mean, he paid for it and he at least gave them the option to have, you know, nicer meal and, you know, the, 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 the car and so forth. Um, and then the third part that's sort of hidden in there, but it's important is time. And time is an interesting language in the workplace in that most managers or leaders, when they see that one of their team members values quality time, they go, oh, my gosh, I don't have time for this. I don't, you know, I'm busy. I can't go hold their hand and meet with them all the time. First of all, you have to understand as a leader that just because one of your workers values time, it doesn't mean it's time with you. OK, you may be great. You may be wonderful, but they may not really want to spend time with you. And I've had a number of people say, yeah. I'm sort of shy and introverted. My boss is pretty intense and individual time just isn't what I want, but they like to go hang out with their colleagues and friends. And so in the inventory, we then identify within their primary language, let them choose what actions and from whom they want that. Mm-hmm. So that our goal is to help people be able to really hone in and hit the mark without having to guess or just do a shotgun approach and you know hope that you hit most people or whatever. And uh, so that's, that's a great example. He, he did a super job on that. Well, I want to step back just for a second too. I mean, we have a lot of business owners, employers, uh, managers, people in a position of leadership in companies that are here in the audience and they can take this and take action on it. But we also have, of course, a lot of people who are uh, just employees. Uh, so to ensure that they get the value here, because I know you speak to that in the book, will you address how they can utilize this message in their workplace where they may not be in a place of leadership to implement it? Yeah, Kevin, that's a, a key issue, and it's one that we learned, Dr. Chavin and I, over time. We actually started out when we first wrote the book and the first version of it, focusing on managers and business owners and supervisors. And that's important, but what we found and what I found as I went around the country and worked with various leadership groups and, and organizations is that peers and colleagues want to know how to show appreciation, encourage one another. Um, and in my mind, I sort of equate the two appreciation and encouragement are, are basically the same, except for their focus of time. Appreciation is for something that you've done in the past while um, encouragement is around, you know, the present and the future. You're coming along to encourage them, help them move forward. And if you're having a bad day, who knows first your, your colleague or your supervisor? I mean, you, your colleagues know. And so I had a gal, she said, I really would like to know how to encourage Susan. And we sort of have a parallel position and I'm trying, but whatever I'm doing is not working. It's actually getting worse. And so what we've done is uh, really sort of altered the model so that we incorporate peers and colleagues and help them find out uh, one another's languages and actions actually have a group profile. And you can actually create a, uh, a little poster for your workstation. Um, and it's huge for a number of reasons. One, it obviously 
multiplies the number of people that are involved in the number of interactions. Secondly, it really reduces the pressure that managers and supervisors feel because they feel like, man, I can't do all this. And that's probably true. In most situations, even, you know, five to seven or eight people uh, are a lot of people to sort of keep encouraging. And there's some situations, whether it's in hospitals or in manufacturing, you might have 30, 50, 70 people that report to you and you can't do it all yourself. And so it's really been fun to see and be able to help people start where they are. You don't have to be at the top of the organization to implement this. In fact, rarely do we start at the top. Often we start with some department or a division leader or somebody that's interested. We come in and help them learn about the resources, do a little bit of a pilot project with Mm -hmm. them and implement it there to demonstrate it to other people. And then often it just goes viral from there. I mean, we're working with a really large oil and gas company that that's going on there. We did it with direct TV with some other companies that it, it's, it starts with where you are. And one of the cool things is it empowers people. Cause it's like, you don't have to wait for your supervisor to get on board about this. It's like, you can go ahead and start in the relationships that you have day to day in the workplace. I trust you're getting great value from this interview, which will continue after I share two great services and special offers that you can benefit from. First is fresh books. So staying on top of your admin and paperwork while hustling to grow your freelance business is just plain hard. Sometimes fresh books wants to change that. So they've launched an all new version of their ridiculously easy to use cloud accounting software that's been custom built for the way you work. No more guessing games on what's owed overdue or whether you're in the red. The FreshBooks dashboard has been curated to answer the one burning question for any small business owner. How's my business doing? Plus FreshBooks now offers automated late payment email reminders, which allow you to spend less time chasing payments and more time working your magic. Best of all, if you have have any questions whatsoever, FreshBooks award-winning customer service is amazingly helpful and super friendly with zero attitude. A real live person usually answers in three rings or less. So to claim your 30 days free trial with no credit card required, go to freshbooks.com slash Ziggler and enter the Ziggler show in the, how did you hear about us section? Again, that's freshbooks.com slash Ziggler. Next is breather. So folks, as a lifelong self-employed guy and owner of many businesses, I've had many needs for space to gather a group for social or work reasons. I've used restaurants, hotel rooms, parks, all variations of things. So often there just is not time to pre-plan and reserve and jump through all the hoops for an official space, not to mention spending too much money. So breather has now provided a brilliant solution. Every time you need to book a meeting or work event, there's a whole set of potential problems to consider. Where's the most convenient location? Will it feel professional? Will there be good Wi-Fi? breather has beautiful, inspiring workplaces for your office sites, your team meetings, your client meetings, even individual work. The best part, you only pay for the time you need a month, a day, even just an hour. There are no minimums or commitments with breather. They own all their spaces. So you get an excellent, consistent experience. Every time breather is now in LA, New York, San Francisco, Palo Alto, Boston, Chicago, DC, Toronto, Montreal, London, and they're growing really fast. Even Google, Apple, and Facebook employees use Breather for their offsites and team meetings. 
and they already have gorgeous offices themselves. So don't overpay for space you don't need. Take a breather space for the time you need it and spend hundreds, not thousands. So you can try Breather right now. You'll receive $100 off your first booking when you go to breather.com slash Ziggler. Again, that's 100 bucks off your first booking when you go to breather.com slash Ziggler. Breather.com slash Ziggler. Well, I, I got a quick question based on something you said a minute ago that leads into a, a bigger question. Uh, one, you said 6% of the workforce you found that was primarily their, their motive of, uh, of appreciation was gifts. Is that different than, let's go back to the love language, the initial love languages book. Was it bigger there? And for some reason, the workplace, it's just what well, I'm asking, why, why would it be less? Yeah. I don't know that we have the data about the five love languages. Dr. Chapman may have an idea about that. Um, but I think it's less for a couple of reasons. One is, and this is sort of feedback I get from follow-up discussions with people. One is if they only get a gift and they never hear anything positive, mm. or if nobody ever stops by to check in and see how they're doing or help them out when they're you know, trying to meet a deadline to finish a project, the gift feels very superficial. Um, and, and, and partly, you know, our work culture has sort of moved that direction, partly because I think it's easy to do. It's easy to sort of mm -hmm. buy them something and get it. Now, one of the things, interesting things that we found is that a person's primary language of appreciation is actually the language they're also most easily offended in. So, and it varies from language, language to language, but a tangible gifts person, the way you offend them by giving a gift in the workplace is not that you don't get them something, it's that you get everybody the same thing. Because to them, the gift is that you know them and know what you like. In fact, I just got a note today uh, from somebody that gave an example that they give, you know, bring in pizza for their team to have. Well, one of the uh, gals that works there uh, is gluten intolerant and was sort of, you know, irritated that, you know, everybody else is having pizza. Well, mm -hmm. so the the manager decided, okay, I'm going to get a gluten-free pizza and turned that into Hey, I know what's important to you and what's you know needed, and I'm going to meet that. So there's that issue about you know gifts just by themselves seem pretty superficial. But the other part is that you know we have sort of uh, in a lot of recognition programs that have these peer recognition kinds of things where people nominate you and you get mm -hmm. points, and after so many points, you can turn it in. And it's sort of like, you know, old S&H stamps. I'm just showing my age, but, you know, <laughs> you, you can turn it in for a gifted catalog. And I can't think of anything else more impersonal. It's sort of like buying myself a Christmas gift out of a catalog and opening up and say, gee, Paul, how thoughtful. You know exactly what I wanted, you know, and, and it's like yeah. and it doesn't cost the manager anything at all. And so there's sort of a backlash about that because of its sense of being really impersonal. Well, so on that, I am curious for those who are business owners out there for you to point out, and you've said a couple of things, especially in regards to gifts right now, but what are the, what are some of the top three, if, if I were to pick, uh, ways that companies try to show appreciation where they're, they're missing the mark. The ones that the employees by far and large are rolling their eyes at, what are the most <laughs> common ones that you can just call out, call on the floor right now? Yeah, well, I can I can name the combination of one that hits about 80% of the irritation. So let me do that. And that is uh, when people get um, employee of the month, employee of the quarter, employee of the year, or whatever, and it's in front of a large group 
that they have to go up in front and receive uh, the award and uh, and maybe a gift or whatever. Most people really, really don't like that. Now, for business leaders, and especially I've worked with, you know, high-performing financial uh, um, advisors, and they love that kind of stuff. They're sort of like, you know, where's the TV? Bring on the cameras kind of thing. <laughs> and and they do that for their assistants, and their administrative assistants are just scared to death. Um, and, in fact, I was working with an international recognition company, and we were talking about this, and they said, oh, man, we need, we're going to do our award. We need to check with the guy that's going to get award this year and it turned out he did not want to go up in front uh, but what he did want was just a handwritten note from the president that he could show his friends and family wow. now there's different reasons why people don't want to go up in front sometimes they just are shy and don't want the focus and attention sometimes they don't want the credit for something that the team really did and that they're sort of getting you know identified as that and sometimes they don't, they're concerned about the negative reaction uh, by peers or colleagues. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's real practical. They don't want to trip. They don't want to drop the award. Yeah. They don't want to have to say anything. And so there's some ways to manage that. But I would say if people or if leaders would at least uh, look at that, here, here's the other part of it. You know, sometimes um, well-meaning, especially in smaller companies, they'll have like a family picnic day or, you know, sort of a, a worker and significant other spouse, Christmas party, whatever. Well, for an introvert, going to an unstructured social event with people they don't know very well is just like, you know, just poke me in the eye with a stick and let's get it over with. I mean, it's torture, right? <laughs> uh, whereas for, you know, I'm fairly extroverted and it's fine for me. But we have to look at what's important to that person. Um, I had one gal said, yeah, I got a, a really a nice award for, you know, a good job she did on a project. She said she spent the 15 to 20 minutes prior to the pro uh, getting the award in the bathroom throwing up because oh, she was gosh. so nervous about it. Yeah. So that's, you know, one that we need to look at that you don't have to do the same thing for everybody. Now, I understand there's the issues about people are concerned about fairness and all this kind of things. But if people understand you're trying to meet the need that they have in the way that's meaningful to them as well as other people, there's more grace there than if it's just like, okay, everybody's got to get, you know, a $20 gift card or whatever. So a question that I wonder if it's as people who hear it, who are in the workplace where this may or may not be happening. Well, I wonder, I'm, and I'm positive you've gotten this. Is there the risk sometimes of a company taking this and going, especially talking about an ROI and going, well, heck yeah, we can be chintzy financially and overcompensate with all this appreciation stuff. Yeah. You know, I haven't found that to be the case uh, that usually the people that get this mm -hmm. um, have a good motive and a good heart about it. And, and really that's sort of a difference that we, we differentiate recognition doesn't take a lot of heart attitude. I mean, you're basically setting up standards, you're monitoring, and then you're rewarding that. And that's fine. Uh, appreciation takes some heart, takes mm -hmm. some motivation. One of the issues we have to deal with is um, perceived inauthentic appreciation, or how do you show appreciation to people you don't really like, you know, or that's a poor performer. So I understand where you're coming from. Most people, they may, I, I think their response would be, we're doing employee recognition. We've got it set up. It's running. It's good enough. We'll let other people deal with this, you know, touchy feely appreciation stuff, um, and and let it go by the wayside. And and I say that tongue in cheek because a lot of people 
think it's all about, you know, we're going to have a group hug (laughs) kind of thing. And what's been fun uh, is to uh, work with industries and groups that you wouldn't think would catch on as I'm I'm dealing with a a mining company and a quarry group uh, in the Midwest that they are just eating us up. And the guys they take, we have little symbols for the different languages and they're putting it on their hard hats. And um, as long as there's a sense of genuineness, and that's really the key, I think, people are open to it. If, if they just feel like, well, we're just cranking this out and it's just sort of, you know, organizational and mechanistic, then, then you're probably going to have some negative reactions. Okay. Well, I want to dig in. I'm sitting here looking at the book right here and I want to dig in to the five and just uh, go over. There were some, some different ideas and questions I had as I went through them, as I went through my uh, my own, my own test that I hope people will all take advantage of. Well, Hey, you know, <laughs> on that, um, I know you've got a special for folks. Uh, you want to tell them about that real quick as we dive into talking yeah. specifically about each yeah, five. If, if people will, uh, send uh, me an email or my organization and just uh, send it uh, to admin at appreciation at work.com. And, uh, the appreciation at work is all words. It's not the at sign. So admin at appreciation work.com. And say you you know you heard uh, uh, the podcast uh, on the, the Ziggler group, and um, we'll send you a free code to be able to take the inventory and try it out because well the proof's in the pudding and it's it's easy it takes ten to fifteen minutes to do online creates a PDF report right there individualized with action items and then we have group profile stuff that you can create for your teams but yeah we'd love to let people try that out. Okay. Yeah. And I took mine yesterday. I'll, I'll uh, let you know. And today we just got, I just rushed back to this interview, as you know, from a staff meeting, talked to them about the concept and said, I'm going to get you guys some codes. We're going to do this. Um, but cool. we did have a good time talking about what their feelings were. And most of them were somewhat aware of, if not really aware of the five love languages book, but it was a great conversation. I'm really eager to dive into it with my own, uh, my own staff here. Well, so number one, we'll hit it off the top words of affirmation. And as I thought about this, I thought, okay, it could seem that this is maybe the easier one to give. Uh, Mm -hmm. but if you're hearing this and feel that you talked about this already, you're an introvert, not very outgoing, not super skilled verbally, then maybe this could also be kind of a fearful area to give someone appreciation in. So how can someone give words of affirmation in a way that's not ultra uncomfortable if that's not uh, natural for them. Yeah. And and you're right on. I mean that uh, for introverts, especially, or people that just aren't confident in their communication skills, this can feel intimidating. And one of the things we do, I worked with it groups and some computer programmer guys, and you know, they're not the most socially skilled sometimes. And we back up and say, look, just let's do it in writing. Okay. It doesn't always have to be face-to-face verbally. I mean, it could be orally, uh, and it can be one-on-one or small group, but you can just start out with writing, right? An email or a text gives you time to think about it and word it and, and then send it. And it, we teach sort of a simple uh, three-step process for giving effective praise. First of all, use the person's name. We like to hear a name and we like that. If you're writing it, make sure you spell their name correctly. It, it's not helpful to you know, misspell their name. Secondly, tell what they do or have done that you value and appreciate. You know, it's sort of like, Bob, thanks for getting your reports done in and on time doing regularly. Third point is why that's important, either to you, to the organization, or to your customers. Okay, so okay. Bob, thanks for getting reports done in and on time doing regularly. That helps me be able to turn around my report to my supervisor without having to really, you know, crunch it. And so 
just using those three points. And it's important to be specific because we've done some polls with uh, our group and we got like 85,000 people on our e-newsletter list and we'll ask them questions. And one of the questions we asked is what kind of verbal praise don't you like? And one of the top responses was good job. Now you, you might wonder about that and you say, well, I thought I was supposed to tell them when they do a good job. Well, the issue is that it's too vague. And I've had some people say they wouldn't know if I was doing a good job or not because they don't really know what I do, you know? Um, and, and that we want to know that they're aware of what we're doing. It's the same thing with group blast emails, way to go team. We met our goals for the quarter. That's okay. But that doesn't really speak to Betsy who stayed late the other night, putting the data in to make sure the report was done. And so you want to, identify individually what they're doing and the value and, and be able to point that out. Okay. Well, it's interesting you say that because it's, I wouldn't say that I have a, a, a challenge verbally, but I tend to do that to our staff. I'll write it out. I'm a writer. That's, I mean, I write these shows out or, you know, the essence of them and I can just, I think better. I can communicate better. So I do that often with a gift as well, whether it's flowers or a Starbucks card oh. or something like that. But I do that. And, uh, I, I, you got me thinking about all the things that I'm doing and what am I doing? Well, what am I not? <laughs> I, Cause I'll tend to do them. I'll, I'll leave them around on desks. They all know that they're getting them, but then I've also heard them sharing what was yeah. written and they see that that's different. So I'd say, okay, I'm doing well there. But yeah, even after our talk today, I've got to meet some of, some of them, uh, in a different, uh, a different way, Tom. You know, one of the things we do at Ziegler is we have a pad. It's called the, I like because pad. And when we do training, uh, we'll use the pad throughout the day and we'll teach people how to write I like because pads and then we'll leave them behind. Cool. And we tell them you can, you know, if it's to a spouse, you can cross the word like out and put love. But it's always personal and specific uh, about what they've observed. And at our office, myself included, I have a drawer full of those little I likes that I've gotten over the years. Yep. And it's amazing how many times you hear the story of, you know, I was just, it, it was a bad day, a bad week. And I looked over and I go, Oh, there's my drawer. And so people will pull those things out and they'll read them. And it's like an, it's an incredible lift. And so that's really the significance of, you know, we just finished the XYZ project. You stayed late, you know, five days in a row. I heard two people talking about the job that you did. I wanted to know, I wanted you to know how much I appreciate your extra effort. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I, I had an example from a, a group that uh, they had been working on a long-term project. And in this case, it was uh, a mother of uh, children at school age children at home and the supervisor wrote a thank you note to the family mm. for letting them sort of take their mother for a number of evenings. And man, that really hit the mom's heart uh, as well as the kids. Just that, you know, the supervisor got the sense that, okay, this is not only impacting this person, but it's impacting the family. And I want to make sure they know that we value what their mom did. So that's cool. We had a, we had a situation where there were, there were three couples that were going through a class where we taught this. And then they all went to dinner and they went to a pretty nice restaurant and the waiter was extremely professional. He was probably in his fifties. You could tell that was his career. They tipped him a big tip, but they also each left him an I like. Oh, cool. Nice. 
and they went outside to the car and this guy ran out of the uh, restaurant and chased him into the parking lot. And he said to them, this is the first time in 30 years anybody's ever done this. Wow. This is the best I've ever been treated. Oh, cool. And he had tears in his eyes. And yeah. so we forget when it's personal, the impact that it has. Absolutely. And, and that's the thing that we found is that when you find out the language and the actions that are important to a person, it doesn't take much to really impact them. So, Kevin, you want me to go with the time part and go on and talk about that? I do. I do want to point out to people, I just want to, I want to reiterate what you said, because one of my questions in this aspect of words of affirmation was, uh, I was going to ask you, what are some ways for those, especially who, those who are not comfortable with it, to do it and, and to, to be authentic, to come off as authentic? And I just want to point out that you, you gave us the answer. Use the person's name. Tell what they do. Uh, that you value and appreciate and then why it's important and be specific. And man, you can do that. I know from experience, you can do that on a little bitty card and, uh, and, and knock it out of the park. So I just thank you for, for answering that question. I wanted people to make sure that they heard it, but yeah. So number two, uh, is you want to go into quality time? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's do. So quality time is an interesting one in that, uh, for some people it is one-on-one time that they would like with their manager or supervisor. And what they want is you, they want your focused attention. The way to offend a, a person at times important to them is to be doing something else when you're supposed to be spending time with them. I mean, whether it's working on your computer or checking your phone, or if it's someplace where you're, you know, watching the TV. So they want your attention and either that they're sharing something that's important to them or they want input from you. And it can be just, you know, I had a CFO tell me, she said, my language is quality time. And all I really want is somebody to come in and check in on me and see how I'm doing. And after five minutes, I'm booting them because I got too much to do. You know, so it's not like you're asking them to be your best friend and go camping for the weekend or whatever. Um, but for other people, it is more about collegial stuff. And one of the things we're finding generationally is that uh, younger workers really value, you know, collegial relationships and hanging out together and doing things together rather than in the past, there was a lot of emphasis on the supervisor, you know, worker relationship. And that was the key to make sure things are positive. Still true, but less so that we want to make sure that they have good relationships sort of uh, across their peers as well. Okay. Well, and when I read that, and of course I did the test and that this is, this is my number one is quality time. And, uh, yeah, the undivided attention was a big part of that. And then though, again, and I love how you define this and folks, that's why you got to go get the book. Uh, cause he, they, they really write out the different ways that this can happen and you can find the one that fits you. So yes, it is quality time, but for me, it's not hanging out. Hanging out is not something that I have fun uh, doing so much. I like quality conversations, which you've outlined. I pulled that right out of the book. So it really helped me. Yeah. Even uh, understand myself and go, yes, gosh, that resonates through. It's something that I, we've covered in my family somewhat, but I want to take it back to them and go, look, this, this really is, this is why I get uh, upset at the interrupting. You know, I just want, just give me five minutes to get through my thought. Uh, but I, I, yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, well, number three, go ahead, Paul. Well, I was just going to say that you raise an important point that, you know, people say, well, how do you find out what somebody's, you know, language is important to them or whatever. And it, it sounds a little self-serving, but really I haven't found a good way besides taking the inventory because 
if I ask you, you know, how should I show you appreciation? First of all, we don't talk that way in our culture. It feels sort of weird. And secondly, most of us are going to say, well, just tell me thanks. You know what I mean? And we have sort of this narrow band that we're pulling from. And it takes sort of exposure to, well, yeah, I sort of like it when somebody brings in, you know, my favorite coffee in the morning. Or I like going out to lunch with peers or whatever. Um, or I like help when I'm behind. And so being able to have your people take it. And a, a code for the inventory comes in the book, but also we developed it so that uh, you can just buy codes for your team because not everybody's going to want to read the book, obviously, and that's fine. And we've actually created different versions for different industries. I mean, we have military, medical, government, schools, not-for-profits, remote workers, um, because the actions look different in those work settings. But let me speak to acts of service, which yeah. is uh, the next language. It's not rescuing a poor performer. It's not you know somebody just lazy. <laughs> it's the kind of person that uh, words really don't mean much to them. I had a CEO tell me that my language is get her done. He said, don't tell me things. Don't get me anything. Just help me get stuff off my plate. I can get it done. And I feel like you're part of the team. And uh, the way to think about that is often it's when you have a project or a deadline that you're trying to meet and you're sort of pressing to try to get it done. And, you know, what can somebody do that could help you out there? Whether that's, you know, sort of, handle your calls for a while so you can just focus on the project or go and get you dinner and bring it in so you can keep working or do some clerical stuff. So it, it's not just, you know, somebody's behind and, you know, you're going to go rescue them, but it's a sense that, Hey, here's something I get to do to help out. Now, some people acts of service is, is more important. In fact, we found words is about 45% of the workforce that they identify uh, as their primary language. Time is about 30%. And then acts of service is about 25%. There's a little bit of variation that guys tend to like uh, acts of service more than time, where women like time more. It's just a mild difference. But uh, it, it's sort of hidden in those sayings, you know, uh, don't tell me you care, show me, you know, or words are cheap. For some people, you know, I had one guy, a leader, he said, you know, in my subculture, if somebody gave me a, a compliment, the next thing that was coming was an ask. It's sort of like, hey, dude, you're looking pretty good. Can you take me down to the store? You got an extra 20. I mean, so he said, if if somebody praises me, I just got a wall that goes up and says, what do they want from me? But, you know, if you helped him out, then that that really made it work. And 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 I think a key thing for the acts of service is you, you want to do it in the way that's meaningful, important to them. It's not the time to show them a better way, better way, which is your way to do it. Right. Um, it's, it's say, okay, how can I help? And then, and then do it their way. And uh, you'll earn a lot of relationship points that way. Well, I got a question on that one, because as I went through looking at them, I realized, I think my thought process coming from the five love languages is that we generally tend to love or give appreciation in the way that we want love or appreciation. And yet I realized in this, that acts of service. So I, I said before that quality time is my number one. Uh, and actually the, my secondary one was the words of affirmation. Uh, yet my go-to, and I do this at work and at home, I'm a doer and I give acts of service. And mm -hmm. I, is that somewhat common or am I just schizophrenic? Yeah, you're schizophrenic. So uh, <laughs> I was afraid of that. <laughs> no, uh, actually, what we found is about two thirds of the time, about 67% of the time, a person's primary language, uh, the, the way that they uh, want to receive appreciation is 
the same as what they do. So that means about a third of the time it's not. And so part of that is uh, lots of times it's sort of, you know, modeling and what we've been trained either through our family growing up of how do you help people or, you know, show them that you appreciate what they're doing. And so we sort of learned it that way, even though that's not important to us. And that's really important for gifts because there are a lot of people that are gift givers that getting a gift really isn't that meaningful. So you can't just flip that and say, oh, they like to give gifts, so I should get them something. It may or may not be meaningful to them. Wow. Okay. Uh, well, so with acts of service, I mean, you said a primary one, and I read this in the book, a primary one is the help, you know, help me get something done, which makes sense in the workplace. Um, what are some other ones that other aspects that, that fit that uh, for acts of service, some other, other ways of showing well, that? Yeah, there's two things. One is for some people, it's not necessarily the act of service. It's actually a sort of a combination of active service and time that they want to do something with somebody. It's not mm-hmm. that it's, it's sort of, I had a gal say, you know, when we have an order that we are at medical supplies, we have an order come in. It's both easier and more fun for somebody to help me check off the list and go through the inventory list than me just doing it by myself. And yeah, you know, I don't know, you know, I'm not, it's not pressure, but it's just, I enjoy more doing it with somebody and they help me out that way. So there's that part. But interestingly, the number one act of service that's asked for by most employees in a general work setting is get my computer to work right. Mm. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, I was talking to a group of Microsoft managers and they started to boo me and I'm like, no, get a, get a life. This is, this is what's up in the real world. You know, whether absolutely, it's, you, know, you know, the printer not working or this program not working or technology and, it, you know, so the thing to listen for, it's not that you're necessarily going to solve it yourself, but that you can help facilitate getting IT over here. And in fact, that actually speaks to how we apply this model across departments. Uh, that is not just, you know, people you work with in your own department, uh, but, you know, what department do you want to be on the good side of? IT, right? I mean, because if your computer goes down, you know, you're sitting there until they get a fix. Yeah. Sometimes it's, you know, HR and payroll. Sometimes it's facilities that they're going to come fix stuff. So it's sort of fun and it actually speaks to helping organizations be able to apply this across the organization so that people have access to the languages for different people. Okay. Well, so the next one is the one that you said, this is in the workplace, at least about 6% is tangible uh, gifts, which, yeah, when you first think about that, it's like giving a little gift box, which in the workbook uh, workplace seems a little bit uncomfortable, but yeah, as you also said, it is the easy one to do. Um, it's a lot easier to, you know, pay the money, give a gift than to, uh, show appreciation and go to this depth. So talk to us about tangible gifts. Yeah. So tangible gifts, I want to make sure the leaders in really anybody knows it's not about compensation. It's not about bonuses. It's not about raises. That's within your employee employer contract. It's about small things that show that you're getting to know the other person because the message behind this is that you're a person and you have value both when you get work done. And, and I believe God made us and we have value even, you know, when we're not at our best. And so it can be the number one gift used in uh, workplaces is food. Okay. And uh, whether that's coffee, bagels, donuts, pizza, I'd say, you know, uh, try to do fruit. Uh, I tell people don't bring celery and and light ranch. That's not encouraging to anybody, you know, so, (laughs) but uh, you know, food. Um, And then the second one is, is uh, gift cards so that, you know, they can go and maybe, especially when you're younger in your career, 
taking a family out to eat, you know, even at a, you know, not too expensive place can be a stretch. And so it can be a nice uh, thought. Or uh, I find that um, like the the magazines that you see in the grocery store or the pharmacy, you know, about sports or, uh, you know, somebody's training for a 10K, you get them a magazine about stretching and say, hey, I know you're preparing for that 10K. Or you know that they're, uh, you know, I don't know, a Steelers fan. And so you get them, you know, an NFL preseason magazine about that. And so it's reflecting that you're paying attention to and listening to what they like and 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 that you're thinking about them away from work um, or at least taking the effort to do so. Well, I'll admit I'm an outlier there. I, I can be bought for food. So if anybody's listening, uh, <laughs> sushi, wine, chocolate, coffee, you got me. Uh, but you need uh, to send Kevin uh, green coffee beans so he can roast. Them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> well, so five then is physical touch, which we talked about at my staff lunch here a little bit ago and got a good laugh. Uh, it's yep. myself and my partner and uh, the rest are women. And you know, in the book though, you get right into that. What comes to mind, even headline it with, is there a place for physical touch in a work setting? So enlighten us. Yeah. So, um, you know, Dr. Chab and I struggled with this because as we went out and talked to our friends who were in the business world and supervisor, they're like, yeah, I see it, but it makes me nervous. And actually it's not in the inventory. We took it out of the inventory, but we left it in the model and our training because couple things. One is Dr. Chapman, who studied anthropology, said, I don't want to advocate a touchless society even in the workplace because appropriate physical touch can be very meaningful uh, in special situations. And secondly, it happens. I mean, if you think about it, and basically for us, physical touch is spontaneous celebration. It's, mm-hmm. you know, you finish a project and you, you give a high five or you solve a problem, you do a fist bump. You, you make a big sale, congratulatory handshake. We found cross-culturally that a pat on the back is the most cross-culturally accepted form of physical touch in the workplace. I was talking to a group of women leaders, though, and they said, yeah, but two pats and no circular motion. I mean, so, you, you know, you got to sort of keep things straight there. But uh, it happens, and it's, there's regional differences, too. I lived in the South for a while. I lived in Atlanta, um, and, you know, they give sort of side hugs there. Um, in the Northeast, you know, physical touch is just sort of a nod of the head, and you just go, hey. You know, I mean, that's about as close as you get. Um, and uh, but in in uh, Hispanic communities, you know, a hug and a kiss on the cheek is is uh, very acceptable. So it's there and, and we have fun with it. You know, we always invite paramedics when we're talking to HR managers because they're afraid that, you know, they're going to have lawsuits. But uh, uh, it's there and and it can be. Uh, really meaningful. And it also could be offensive if somebody, you know, gives you a, a high five and you're like, no, I'm not touching you. I mean, you know, it, so it's not a big deal, but it, it's worth talking about. Okay. Well, I actually wanted to wrap us up with uh, something you came to that was really eye-opening for me, revelatory, I guess. And you said, uh, once we do the, the MBA inventory and know our primary language, then you then direct us to our blind spot, which was, uh, again, so, and you start, if you even tell the story of, of Stacy sunshine, uh, and that's me, uh, just so you know, I'm, I'm apparently that you got, you nailed me there, but it was the blind spot of knowing, I think in essence, you're saying what your least, uh, form of appreciation is, is generally the one that you're blind at and give the least attention to, which is going to thwart your efforts and caring for people. Well, where that is their primary 
appreciation point. So tell us about that. Cause I felt like that's, that's a big deal. We t- again, talked about it at my lunch just a minute ago. And cool. we, we now all are just as, as uh, interested in finding out what our lowest one is, our blind spot yeah, yeah. as we are our greatest. Well, it, it's important and it's not a weakness. It's just the, the, the language is not that important to you. Okay. You know, it's just like, you know, give me a gift or not. It's fine. But the, the challenge is, is that you're going to have people around you on your team uh, that have that language. And if you're not aware that this isn't natural for you, you don't really think about it that often. It's like right. spending time. I don't know. I, I guess I can, you know, but so what we do with leaders and employees is help them become aware of that and then develop, find out who likes that language. And again, the specific actions uh, and then develop some kind of plan to remind themselves or whatever about it. Um, and it can make a huge difference. And, and, you know, I know you all do a lot of work with training leaders and helping people grow those skills. One of the things that I really emphasize when working with leaders or developing leaders is if you're going to lead people well, you have to learn how to lead people who are different than you. And that includes in motivation and appreciation. Because uh, if you don't, you're going to just have a bunch of many use following you around. And you may be great and talented, but you need different kinds of people and personalities and skill sets. And so this is a very practical way to be able to build those relationships with people that, you know, are a little tougher for you, uh, but be able to hit the mark for them. Um, and, and they're going to really value it. All right. That's, that's awesome. I was just uh, reflecting on a on a study, I'm um, kind of an intellectual engineer. I love studies. I've kind of got that nerd thing going through my genes. And it was a study on, I think it was 75 CEOs. They were all leading high-performing teams, business size, 50 billion. I'm sorry. Yeah, five, uh, 50 million to 5 billion. And the one quality they all had in common that made them stand out was they had incredible self-awareness for their blind spot. Yeah. I mean, it was just, and not only were they aware of it, but they developed a team to help protect that blind spot. And so that's, that's a good idea. I mean, if, if I know my blind spot and I tell my right, you know, the people I work with, Hey, make sure that I'm not missing this. That sounds like a good strategy. It's a good way to grow. Um, and it's not that we're trying to make that your primary area. It's just that you don't want to miss those people around you. And again, bringing us back to one of the statistics I cited before is that 79% of the people who leave a job on their own cite that a lack of feeling appreciated is one of the main reasons. And so, if it, and when I talk to, you know, teams and in big groups, I'll say, hey, you need to make sure that if you've got a star, you better make sure that they know that you value them. Otherwise, they're out on the trading block and, and you don't want to lose them, you know, unintentionally uh, just because you, you didn't think about showing appreciation. Well, for our, for our Ziggler listeners out there, as we wrap this up, the kind of the, my favorite Zig Ziggler leadership quote is one where he added two words to. And there's an old quote and it says, People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And then he put a dash and two words about them. There you go. (laughs) And I can't think of a better marriage of that concept than applying the five love languages in the workplace Mm -hmm. to that about them, because that really does prove 
and show and demonstrate, not just I used to know or, you know, hey, yeah, I know we've all got that, but it demonstrates in them that. So thank you so much for being a part of this. Sure. My pleasure. You know, the Ziegler, Ziegler group is awesome. And I'm sure you're going to get lots of, uh, of uh, feedback on that code. I actually just uh, typed it in while we were talking. So, All right. Cool. Yeah. And I, wa- I wanted to give that to everybody again. It's admin at appreciation at work dot com. Uh, if you'll email that, he'll send you, they'll send you the code so that you can go take the, uh, take the inventory, which is at MBA inventory.com. Thank you for being so generous with that. Uh, Dr. Paul White, just a gift to have you here to, to, to meet you. And thank you for bringing this message to all of us. You bet. Thanks so much for having me. And, uh, if I can be of help in the future, let me know. And uh, you guys are doing a great job, and I hear good things about uh, the people that are benefiting from from the work you do. Ah, thank you so much. Well, folks, thanks for being with us again as we inspire our true performance together. Look forward to talking with you on the next Ziggler Show. Mm-hmm.